As we get uh, ourselves adjusted from worship, you can turn in your Bibles to Revelation 13. It'll be our text for today. Just run over a few of the announcements we have in the bulletin. Of course, Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we'll be looking at Genesis 29 and 30, really getting into the account of Jacob's life after he left home. He's going to be gone from his homeland for 20 years, where he will meet and marry four wives, ultimately, have 12 sons and at least one daughter. I'm sure there was other girls running around there. But I took the title from Now I Will Praise You from his first wife, Leah. It's an interesting thing. He loved Rachel, but... Dad did the old switcheroo on the wedding night, Eastern customs, not Western customs, and he ended up with the wrong bride. He didn't know that, but it's from his first wife, Leah, that would be the line of the Messiah. And she has her son, Judah, which means praise, and her declaration was, even though my husband does not love me, Now I will praise the Lord. And so from that line, from that son, would come the Messiah. Genesis 29 and 30 this coming Wednesday. Of course, you can join us here at Calvary Chapel. You can listen on the radio on WLGS, or you can uh, watch us through social media. And we're working on that. Got new cameras back there. We haven't quite transitioned over to the new cameras, but we're getting the Details worked out on that, and hopefully we'll have a better video presentation soon. I have in our bulletin a spotlight for WLGS Radio. Just uh, want to remind you that we are streaming that signal, and so you can listen to us anywhere in the world as long as you got an Internet signal. So all I have to do is go to WLGSRadio.com and go to the live link. And you can listen to our station live. We're going to have a baptism coming up. We Actually, I ordered last, maybe the end of last week. I can't quite remember timing-wise, but ordered a portable baptistry. And they said it's usually three weeks to ship. So as soon as we get all the pieces together, a water in a pool. That's all we need, right? As soon as we get it all together, we'll have our baptistry. And if you would like to be baptized, please talk to myself or Pastor Kevin, and we'll make sure that that's done for you. Women's retreat coming up October 15th through the 17th, and there is a deadline. We're past the deadline, (laughs) past the technical, the wish deadline, but they're giving you until when? 26 to get it in. So you have some time. You're running out of time. Anyways, women's retreat up at, can't remember the conference sitter's name up there. What is it? Conference Point. Conference Point, yes. Yes, just uh, west of Lake Geneva there, beautiful setting right on the lake of Lake Geneva. And uh, campground that's been around, that's apparently where the Girl Scouts was founded many years ago. So as you're walking around, Look for the big rock with the brass plate that talks about the Girl Scouts. Founded right there. They've 
gone a far cry away from their founding. I understand that. But it has a rich history, and that is uh, so important that they're able to continue to minister to churches in the name of Jesus Christ there at Conference Point. All right, I believe, oh yeah, um, I've been listening to David Fiorazzo all week, and it's like everybody had on his show this week, they were good. So if you'd like, you can listen to David Fiorazzo. All you have to do is search Stand Up for the Truth. I have that in our bulletin. Also, we have one more copy of his book, Canceling Christianity, the last copy here at the church. Our cost was $11, so we're just passing that on to you. If you'd like to get a copy of that book, it's really talking about everything that happened over the last year plus, and it's a tough read. I will tell you that. It is a hard read, but it's kind of a wake-up call read. So David Fiorazzo, I sent one of the shows to my son. He lives in Kauai, and I just sent a link to him and said, this is a good show. He goes, yeah, I listen to him almost every day. It's like, all right, there you go. And that was Melissa. It's like I've been listening to David a lot, and so she kind of helped me. I've known David since 2006, but he just began hosting, a co-host at first, and then the last two years hosting Stand Up for the Truth there at his radio station up in Wisconsin. Enough of that. We will have fellowship time after church downstairs, so if you'd like to hang out, this is how I figure it out. Last week we didn't have fellowship time, and everybody just stayed upstairs in the sanctuary. They just didn't leave. It's like, all right, if we're going to hang out, we might as well hang out. So um, we were trying to play it safe. We have a rebellious bunch of people here. (laughs) That's fine. Let's get into Revelation 13, and I want to open us in prayer. Father, thank you for this word you've given us. This chapter, Lord, talks about a time coming in the future. Now we feel a very near future of a time, Lord, where the Antichrist will rise. And at some point, he will demand that every man, woman, and child be marked with his number. And without that mark, they will be unable to buy and sell. Father, this chapter really speaks to us within the church, and perhaps it's one of the reasons why the church at large is having such a difficulty with all these mandates that have been coming down from our government over the last year and a half because we see the formation of what is to come, what has been written in Scripture, what you, Lord Jesus, foretold the church would take place. Now we see these days being upon us. So, Father, we're not there yet, but help us to understand the words that are written in this text, that you would prepare us, that we might live for your glory in the days that you have set us in. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, last Sunday we were introduced in Revelation 12:3 to a great fiery red dragon. 
his description that John gives us is that of great fiery red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. And then in verse 9 of chapter 12, we're plainly told that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. And so it's not a question of this great fiery red dragon, a matter of saying, I wonder what that represents. No, the Bible plainly tells us the great fiery red dragon is Satan, is that serpent of old, meaning the one that came to the garden to tempt Eve and Adam, who is called the devil and called Satan, and that he deceives the whole world. And so in Revelation 12 and 13, we combine these chapters, we have the beginnings of what is described to us as Satan's greatest deception, his unholy trinity, which consists of himself, the Antichrist, and his false prophet. And while the holy trinity is characterized by infinite truth, love, and goodness, make sure you understand, I'm talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the holy trinity, characterized by infinite truth, love, and goodness, the unholy trinity, that is Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophets, they are diametrically opposed with the traits of deception, hatred, and unadulterated evil. The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And so taking that term, the dragon, from Revelation chapter 12, we'll discover that the dragon influences, Satan influences the beast, that is the Antichrist, and also the false prophet. And so they're tied together. So the dragon, my title of my message, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Today in Revelation 13, we are going to see the rise of the Antichrist in verses 1 through 10, the false prophet, verses 11 through 15, and the number of the beast, verses 16 through 18. And we read in verses 1 and 2 of Revelation 13, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So I already mentioned in chapter 12 that John was shown the sign that appeared in heaven, this great fiery red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, seven diadems on his heads. Now John shows us a beast rising up out of the sea. In the Bible, when it speaks about it, it can talk about the sea oftentimes in scripture, when they refer to the sea, they're talking about the Mediterranean Sea, when they're talking about physical water. But also it can refer to all the nations of the world, as it does in Revelation 17:15. And he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits 
are peoples, multitude, nations, and tongues. And so water, seas, can talk about all the nations of the world. The beast rising up out of the sea, this beast being the Antichrist, and since he comes from the nations of the world, it speaks about the rise of a coming world leader, a one world government. But we notice the similarity that the beast, the Antichrist, has with the dragon, that is Satan. The beast having seven heads and ten horns, where Satan has seven diadems on his heads, the beast has on his ten horns ten crowns. In Revelation 17, and so we're not going to get all of this now, John continues to describe some of these things as we continue on in the book of Revelation. So one of the angels in Revelation 17 who pours out one of the bold judgments explains to John that the fiery red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, he he talks about him there in Revelation 17. So we're going to get more information about the dragon, about the Antichrist, about the false prophet as we continue on in the book of Revelation. What I want us to notice is that the Antichrist actually is somewhat mirroring. He's a reflection of the great dragon, that fiery red dragon. He's a reflection of Satan. And it's not surprising, considering that Jesus Christ reflects his father, God. In fact, Jesus said in John 10.30, I and my father are one. And so Jesus Christ, a reflection of the Father, the Antichrist, being against Christ, and that's what that title means, anti against Christ, will be a reflection of his father, Satan. Now many have connected this beast having seven heads, ten horns, and his ten crowns on the horns to a coming revived Roman Empire, where ten kings will give their authority to the Antichrist. And they do this, they connect it to the Roman Empire because of a vision that Daniel has. And I'm sure in the next few weeks we'll get more into that vision of Daniel. But when Daniel is talking about the Roman Empire to come, he says that he has ten toes that are mixed with clay. So the ten toes, the ten kingdoms, uh, the ten... Roman emperors actually being referred to there. And now we have the ten horns with ten crowns. So there's a connection with the book of Revelation and the prophecies found in the book of Daniel. It's always a good thing when studying the book of Revelation to especially look at the last six chapters of the book of Daniel because a lot of the prophecies, and we're going to look at a couple of those today, that come from Daniel tie right into Uh, the prophecies we find here in the book of Revelation. Although the Antichrist is a common name uh, given to the beast, we refer to the Antichrist, probably a term that we understand of a coming world leader in the last days. He has different names that's given to us in Scripture. The son of perdition is one of those names. The Antichrist actually is only mentioned by the Apostle John in his epistles of First and Second John, two epistles, he mentions the term Antichrist 
four times in his two epistles. He references the Antichrist once. He actually names the Antichrist that he is coming once. And then he has the little Antichrist, those who are, as he would say, at this time, many Antichrists have come. Those who are against Christ, there have been many, he would say. But it's only John who gives us this title. It's a title that's very familiar to us today. In 1 John 2.18, he says, Little children, it is the last hour, as you have heard that the Antichrist, capital A, the Antichrist is coming. And even now, many Antichrists, small case A, have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. So again, the Antichrist, he who opposes Christ, or he who replaces Christ. Again, in 1 John 4, 3, we have the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now in the world. So John is telling us that the spirit of the Antichrist, it's already here. It's already in our world. Of the many Antichrists that John wrote about, he said in 1 John 2:19, they went out from us, but were not of us. They were part of the church. They were acting as believers, perhaps even preachers in the pulpit. And then there was a revelation that you don't believe what's written in the scripture. There have been many pastors over the last 10 or 20 years, it seems. But it's been going on longer than that. It's been going on since the time of the early church, as John writes about it here. They were part of the church. They were acting as believers, but they were not truly saved. They did not truly know Christ as their Savior. Their departure from the church actually revealed their apostasy. As John would further state in 1 John 2.19 saying, But they went out from us that it might be made manifest that none of them were of us. They are preachers today. They're suddenly part of the emergent church movement that they're changing terms and phrases and terminologies in scripture. We once would talk about the church going out into the mission field and they come up with a term that it's missional. We're a missional church. Came out of the emergent church movement. Some of the key leaders of the emergent church movement have come out in the last 10 years or so saying that we don't actually believe that there is a hell. We don't believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father, that they're saying things opposed to Scripture. Shouldn't say those P's so hard, but I was getting excited. When they do that, when they come out against what is known in the word of God, just know that I don't need to listen to this person any longer. Warn other people about them. Say, they're not speaking the truth. That's not what the Bible says. First John 4, 3, he says, And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming, and is now already in the world of the many Antichrists that John wrote about. He said they were part of us, that they went out of us, that it may be made manifest that none of them were of us. 
John simply calls these apostates antichrist. They're actually against Christ. I know it's hard when you have what seems to be a church leader who gains a great popularity and then suddenly he comes out against the truth of God's word. We have been running a radio ministry here at the church for 17 years now, I think. Time flies. I can calculate it very easily. We built a radio station. We had 18 months, according to the FCC, to get it built and running. Then they gave us eight years, and we had to relicense. We've had another eight years, and we had to relicense. So we've already relicensed twice, 16 years gone. And we are in the third eight-year license now, so 17 years into it. And during that time, at the very beginning of it, we're going to be playing Christian music that in the process of playing Christian music, we're going to discover that some of these people will not stand in the truth of the Word of God. They will go against Christ. And when that happens, I shared with Pastor Kevin, probably with the board, but I just said when that happens, we will just quietly remove them from our playlist. Not going to make a big deal out of it, not going to make a big scene out of it, but we're going to quietly remove them from our playlist. And we have. Just this last year, we had to remove some more artists from our playlist. Just a few weeks ago, we received an email through the radio ministry of a Christian artist that was coming in the area. They were wanting us to advertise that this artist was coming in the area, and I I thought, wait a minute, there's something red flag. Come on, John, think. Red flag. Isn't this artist, didn't she go through a divorce? And I said it to Lily, and it's like, yeah, she did, and I looked her up. It's like, yeah, she uh, did some things she shouldn't have done. She was the guilty party. But she's big in Christian music still. Not going to advertise her on our radio ministry. It's like, sorry, can't do that. So we do our best, and we're going to fail sometimes. We will, but we do our best. Those who are against Christ, sometimes we'll need to speak out publicly. Other times, just quietly. Don't let that person be an influence. We do it in the a bookstore ministry. Uh, that we've had in times past, even in the books that come into our church and we use for our men's and women's uh, prayer breakfasts, we want to make sure that they are sound people that are not going against Christ, not teaching against Christ. In verse 2, and I better get to it, we have a lot of verses to go. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion, And the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. So the beast, like a leopard, his feet like a bear, the mouth like a lion, it really coincides with Daniel's vision in Daniel chapter 7, verse 3, of four great beasts which were coming from the sea, from the peoples of the world, each being different from one another. The first beast, I'm just going to summarize it for you like a lion with eagle's wings, referred to the Babylonian Empire. The second beast, like a bear with three ribs in its mouth, foretold of the Medo-Persian Empire. The third beast, like a leopard with four wings of a bird, foresaw the swift 
conquest of Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire. And finally, the fourth beast that was dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong, that had huge iron teeth, Daniel 7, 7, referred to the Roman Empire. And we have this one coming up from the sea, coming from all the nations of the world, kind of a compilation of all these empires that had come before him, a world leader, a one world government that will be a composite of all that came before him. And we might say that the best that all the world has to offer. However, Satan will be the one that possesses this coming world leader, giving him, verse 2, his power, his throne, and his great authority. Satan actually offered these to Jesus. Remember when Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights? And then after the 40 days and 40 nights, Satan came to Jesus with three temptations. And in one of those temptations, in Luke 4, verses 6 through 8, Satan says to Jesus, all this authority I will give to you, all their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. How did Satan gain the authority of this world? Well, it was there at the fall, where Adam forfeited the title deed of the earth that was by rights given to Adam, to God, when he ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that being forfeited to Satan, Jesus didn't say to Satan, it doesn't belong to you. He said, get behind me. God has a different path for redeeming the world. It was through the cross. But there will be one who comes and bows before Satan, known as the Antichrist, verses 3 and 4. And I saw one of the heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. And so they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. They worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So it is, appears that the Antichrist will be assassinated or uh, attempted assassination. Will bring him to the brink of death. Thus, I believe, mimicking the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, we have in Zechariah 11:17, referring to, I said he had different names, the son of perdition, but also the worthless shepherd. In Zechariah 11:17, it says, Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock. A sword shall come against his arm, against his right eye. His arm shall completely wither, and his eye shall be totally blinded. And so this thought of tying this verse from Revelation 13:3 to Zechariah 11:17, this assassination attempt coming against the Antichrist, either bring him to death or bring him to the brink of death, but his coming back to life, all the world then marveling and following the beast, the worthless shepherd, will at first appear 
to be doing good for the benefit of all mankind. According to the word of God, he's actually only masking his true agenda. I was thinking about those words this morning. It reminded me of a president who gets into his second term of office. Often, if they think they're going to make it to the second term, they will play nice for the first four years here in the United States. And then they get reelected, and they're like, now I'm never going to be reelected again unless they change the laws and cause a third term to take place. So it's like, I don't care anymore. So now I'm going to do what I actually want to do. The Antichrist will come to that place. At first, he will appear to benefit all of mankind, but all the good that he does only mask his true agenda, which is always to conquer God. That's his agenda, wanting to usurp himself over God and his son, Jesus Christ. The lawless one, another title given to him by Paul here in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 9 through 12, it says, the coming of the lawless one, is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this reason, God will send them, talking about the world, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. A one world government refers to a central government whose authority extends across the entire planet, the entire world. The idea is that many countries of the world would join together under a federation that's much like the United States of America. We're united under this Federation as the states that make up the United States. But the authority of the beast, verses 5 through 8, he says, He was given a mouth to speak great things and blasphemies. He was given authority to continue for 42 months. And then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted him to make war against the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him to overcome every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Here's the thing. I do not believe that you will accidentally fall under the sway of the Antichrist. It will be a choice. All of the nations of the world, every tribe, tongue, and nation, all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose name has not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The book of life of the Lamb, speaking of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, that those who are followers of Jesus Christ, everybody else will fall prey to the Antichrist but not the true believers of Jesus Christ. The Antichrist tells us in verse 5 that he will speak great things and blasphemies. In Daniel 7, in verses 8, 11, 20, and 25, it says he will speak pompous words. 
great blasphemies, pompous words. He's given power for 42 months, for three and a half years. It seems that in the seven years of tribulation, this world leader will rise up. And at first, he'll, he'll seem like the savior of the world. At first, it will appear that he is doing great things. But in the middle of the week, in the middle of the seven years, then he will open his mouth to blaspheme God, blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Daniel 9.27 tells us, he will confirm a covenant with many for one week or seven years. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of the abominations shall one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. The consummation speaks about the completion of the seven-year period that the author of Daniel and also Revelation tells us about this coming tribulation upon the earth. God's wrath then at the end of those seven years will be poured out upon the world and Jesus Christ will return with great power and glory according to the word of God. This should excite us. We are seeing the formation of these last days very visibly in our world right now. And it scares us when actuality it should excite us. I know it's troubling days. But all it means is that we're getting closer to the coming of Jesus Christ. And Daniel 7.25 says, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, shall intend to change times and laws, and then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, times, so the time is one year, times is two years, and a half a time, three and a half years. 42 months. It all works together from Daniel and the book of Revelation. During that time, there's going to be two great battles on the earth connected to the last seven years of tribulation, the battle of Gog and Magog and the battle of Armageddon. The battle of Gog and Magog will either precede or just at the beginning of the seven years of tribulation will be the first battle, the battle of Gog and Magog. And the last battle will be that of the battle of Armageddon coming at the end of the time of tribulation where the Bible tells us we learn in Revelation 12:17 last week the dragon that is Satan was enraged with the woman that is the nation of Israel and he went to make war against the rest of her offsprings that is the believers in Jesus Christ so there's going to be this deception by the antichrist the whole world will worship this one who had been mortally wounded and yet lived, all those in the world will be deceived except those whose names are found in the book of life. We find in Revelation 20, verses 12 and 13, John says, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. The books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the works by the things that were written in the books. Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But for forgiveness to come, 
His blood must be applied to our lives through faith in His name. And so here it is, verses 9 and 10, the patience and faith of the saints. Jesus said, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed by the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Once again, here in the book of Revelation, Jesus is saying, pay attention, church. Listen up. He said this when he was with the disciples, when he was here on the earth before his crucifixion, he often would say, he who has an ear, let him hear. He said it to the seven churches of Asia as well. Listen up. And he says it now. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Jesus is warning us of the importance of our conduct in this life. That we must be worthy of God's standards and not man's. That's why as Christians we do not conduct ourselves as people of the world, as unbelievers. Those who lead into captivity, they'll be led into captivity. Those who kill by the sword, they'll be killed by the sword. We're not to battle like the world battles. Paul wrote in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, he said, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who is sown to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. We are not to conduct ourselves as the people of the world, as unbelievers in the world. The patience and the faith of the saints remembers the hostility that came against Christ. In Hebrews 12, verses 3 and 4, it reminds us, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. The author of Hebrews reminds us, Consider Jesus Christ who endured such hostilities lest we become weary and discouraged. Have you been, over the last year and a half, at any time, have you been weary and discouraged? I have. You know, this week I was listening to, as I do all the time, I listen to all these conservative talk shows um, talking about all the wrong things going on. There's a point this week I was working in the church and it's just like, I need to hear the word. Where's Pastor Chuck? I fell back on Pastor Chuck Smith, the founder of the Calvary Chapel movement. And I listened to Revelation 13. I listened to Pastor Chuck from 19, maybe 95, teaching through this chapter. It's just like, I can't keep hearing this stuff. It's wearing me down. I need the word. I need Jesus. Even as Christians, we need Jesus. Look to the author and finisher of our faith. The patience and the faith of the saints keep their faith in Jesus and God's word. Revelation 14, 12, we'll see this next week. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The patience of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God, those who have faith in Jesus. 
the patience and faith of the saints. They have their hopes set on the future promises of God. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12 says, And we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those things through faith and patience. You inherit the promises. Don't become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience. Look to those. This week it's like, I can't keep listening to this stuff. I need the word. So what did I do? I I fell back on my pastor. Even though he's with the Lord now, I have his Bible app on my phone. And I can listen to Pastor Chuck. I needed the word of God. I needed the influence of God's word in my life. There's comfort in God's word. We need to imitate those who through patience and faith have inherited the promises. And so we look around and we think perhaps some living now. We imitate those who are alive today that are walking in faith. They're solid believers. We imitate those. Those who have went on before us. Uh, they've, their testimony was sound. It was sure in Jesus Christ. We imitate those. But know this, those whose names are not found in the book of life, they ultimately, they will worship the Antichrist when he comes. So it's important for us to have our names written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the earth. Verses 11 through 15, we find the false prophet. Now I'll just tell you up front, I had more written in my notes about the first 10 verses than I do the second half of this chapter. So hopefully it'll go by a little quicker now. That's what you're hoping. (laughs) 11 and 12 says, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. He exercises all authority of the first beast in his presence. And causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So unlike the beast who came out of the sea, the Antichrist, the second beast comes from the earth. Some believe that this actually speaks of his coming from the nation of Israel. Why would Israel go after a false messiah if he wasn't Israeli? That is the thought behind this. The beast here is describing the false prophet. Matthew 24, 24, Jesus said, For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So there have been many false Christ and many false prophets, just like there have been many antichrist. But there is a false prophet coming, this beast that rises up from the earth the false prophet having two horns like a lamb actually portraying a false messiah we might say like a lamb but he speaks like a dragon tying him to the great fiery red dragon or tying him to satan though he may have the appearance of the lamb he will actually be a wolf in sheep's clothing as Jesus warned us in Matthew 7:15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly 
are ravenous wolves. This false prophet's ability, notice that he does these great signs and wonders, it says, in the presence of the first beast, in the presence presence of the Antichrist. He's limited. He performs these great wonders in the sight of the Antichrist. The Antichrist giving his authority to this false prophet and the authority of the Antichrist coming from Satan himself, the great fiery red dragon. And sadly, the beast that rises from the earth will deceive the world with signs and wonders. He performs, verses 13 and 14, he performs great signs so that even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. He deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which was granted to do in the sight of all the beasts, in the sight of the beast again, not all the beasts, just the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. So just as the two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11 were able to call fire down from heaven, so too will the false prophet mimic this wonder. And through the great signs that he will perform in the sight of men, the false prophet then will be able to deceive those who are without Christ. He will command those on the earth then to make an image of the beast who was wounded. So make an image of the Antichrist who was wounded by the sword and lived. So the Antichrist coming back they make this image. Barnhouse wrote concerning this in his book. Uh, the book is called Revelation. It is the purpose of the false prophet to bring every human being under the bondage of Satan. That's his goal. Everyone coming under the bondage of Satan. In verse 15, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So we can only guess how this image of this beast will come to life, both breathing and speaking. Uh, You know, we can only imagine or envision what this might be like. Perhaps it could be a, a statue that comes to life. Maybe it's a cloning that takes place. We know that cloning... Is possible today. I won't even try to figure it out. I can't. Whatever it might be, it will bring great harms. Image of the beast will bring great harm against those who refuse to worship this image. And no doubt many Jews and many tribulation saints will be killed at this time. Why will the Jews not bow down to this image? Why would Christians refuse to bow down to the image? Well, Exodus 2.20, ah, let me get it right. Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 and 5. The second of the Ten Commandments, the Lord said, you shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything in heaven above that is on the earth beneath, that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down, nor shall you serve them. And although the Antichrist and the false prophet will seem to be saviors. They will bring death and devastation upon this earth. And then 
the number of the beast. Verses 16 through 18, the mark of the beast, verses 16 and 17, it says, He will cause all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. In 1919, Clarence Larkin wrote his commentary on the book of Revelation. So he's trying to envision the mark of the beast way back at the beginning of the 20th century. So 1919, here's what he envisioned. Ultimately, this federation of trust will extend to the whole world, at the head of which shall be the Antichrist. And the producer and consumer will be powerless in the tentacles of this octopus. No man shall be able to buy or sell who does not have the mark of the beast, either on his right hand or on his forehead. In that day, men will doubtless prefer to have the mark on the back of their right hand so it can be easily seen in the act of signing checks, drafts, receipts. There will doubtless be public officials. I don't know why I was reading over my message this morning. It reminded me of the people at the Walmart when you walk in to welcome you. Not public officials, but representatives of the store. Today, checking to make sure you have your mask on. Uh-uh-uh. Don't come in here. Don't give them a hard time. They're in a hard spot, you know. They're just trying to make a little extra money. There will doubtless be public officials in all public places of business to see that no one buys or sells who does not have the mark. This will apply to women as well as men. No one can shop or even buy from the huckster at the door without the mark under the penalty of death. Those will be awful times for those who will not worship the beast. If they cannot neither buy or sell without the mark, they must beg or starve or be killed. Now we read in Revelation 4, 9 through 11. Then the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on their forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which will be poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. If anybody worships the beast, his image, or receives this mark. Revelation 20, verse 4 says, And I saw the thrones of them, and they who sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus, for the word of God, who had not worshipped the image of the beast, had not received his mark on their forehead or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Here we have, in Revelation chapter 14, the unbelievers, those who received the mark, they will then receive the full wrath of God being poured out in full strength upon them. And those who refuse to receive the mark in Revelation 20, 
though it was off with the head, that's what John is describing here, it says they will live and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Ultimately, as it will be in the last days, in the time of tribulation, so it is now. There are only two choices. We either are followers of Christ or we are followers of Satan. This mark, this chip, what Clarence Larkin wrote in 1919, he couldn't envision how this could work out. Visible tattoo on the back of the hand, now they have invisible tattoos that put them under the right light, they'll show up. Who wants to have the mark? Who wants to be like Nazi Germany and the marks on their tattoo on their forearm that they, the Jews had to have? Who wants that? Nobody. Maybe some. Oh, yeah, give it to me. But those who like the sleeves and all that stuff, the tattoos. But others, they can do it invisibly. They can do a medical implant, um, put a chip in. We don't know the technology, but we see the technology forming. It's coming together. Talking about having the vaccine passes. I have been, I have not received the COVID vaccine. I've had COVID, but I haven't had the vaccine. But I have been vaccinated. When I went to Africa and I went to get, I mean, I was going to the heart of all the known diseases of the world. And so Lily actually wanted me to get shot up. I don't know why. It was like 700 bucks. Here's my arm. Go at it. Everything I had as a kid and some of that stuff had to have boosters that I received as a kid. And then the doctor said, here, sign this piece of paper. And I said, I signed all that out in the waiting room. He goes, no. He said, now I'm going to give you a live virus, yellow fever. You could die on this one. Okay. (laughs) Live virus, shoot it in the arm. So quick prayer, sign the document, get the shot. All I'm saying is I've been vaccinated. I've traveled to other nations. I have my vaccination card, which is a yellow card that I only keep with my passport. I've only ever used it when traveling to other nations, and I've never, ever had to produce it for anyone. Nobody has ever asked to see it. But it's a simple card. I told Lily, I said, I should take my yellow card and just put COVID vax and scribble something that's not legible, which is all doctor's <laughs> signatures, right? But that's not good enough, right? Yellow card with the COVID vax, that wouldn't be good enough today. Anybody can forge that. The yellow card is no good anymore. But that was good up till last year. My doctors, every time I got a vaccine, It's like, if I got one, here's a card. Fill it out. They're going to do something. Whatever that mark will be, it has not yet been given. Understand this, that you will know what you are receiving when you receive the mark of the beast. It's not going to be, oh, no. When I was a, a stock boy at Jewel Food Store at 17 years old in the Man came crying out with the, what is that, the UCP codes? Is that correct? UPC. UPC. 
Yeah. This is the Antichrist. The guy was shouting in the store at 17 years old. And I explained to my coworkers that he was talking about. At 17, I said, it's not the Antichrist. But he is referring to a mark that is coming one day. But don't you see that it's all working together? The technology is getting there. Perhaps it's already here. Although Clarence Larkin in 1919 had a difficult time trying to envision the mark of the beast, with today's technology, it's not so hard to envision it anymore. Something that every man, woman, and child could receive that could track their every position, purchase, and movement. The number of the beast, he said, verse 18, here is wisdom. Let he who understands calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man which is 666. So several years ago, I started this custom with my grandchildren here. When they have a birthday, I take them out for lunch. And they get to choose where they'd like to go. It's your birthday, where'd you like to go? And Mackenzie wanted to go to a hamburger joint this spring, and we went to Round Lake to a hamburger place that the kids like to go to. And uh, while we were in there, a guy walked in, and he had a T-shirt on, and he said, 333, only half bad. And it's like, hmm, 333. It took me a moment. It's like, oh, yeah, 666. Okay, I get it. I'm a little slow sometimes. 333, I'm only half bad. I don't even want us to go there. I don't want you guys wearing that shirt. You don't want to be half Satan. No, stay away from it. 777, striving to be all good. We can have our own T-shirt. We can counter that. But his number is 666. Now, man was created on the sixth day, the number of man. The seventh day, God rested. This number seven is the number of perfection or completion in the Bible. The three sixes might refer to this trinity of evil. As for calculating the number of the beast, with the Hebrew, every uh, Hebrew alphabet, every letter has a number. And you're able to calculate names. I looked up my name. in the Hebrew. You can actually look up. You can look up this calculator to calculate the number of your name. I am not 666. John is not 666. Not in Hebrew, not in English. It's good. Good to know. But in some way unknown to us, this number will play. But it seems that I think as the last days come upon the church, we gain more knowledge, right? Clarence Larkin in 1919, it's like, how could everybody receive a mark? And he tried to envision it. Today in 2021, it's like, not too hard to envision that today. It's getting easier. We get more clarity. And I believe in the last days, there'll be more clarity. For those to be able to calculate, as it says, let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. His number, the number of his name, is 666. As it is today, it will be in the great tribulation. Here's the bottom line. Each person must choose whether they will follow Christ or not. The choice is yours. But listen to this. 
I know we know John 3.16 is one of the famous verses in the Bible. Football, maybe today you'll see it at the end zone, you know. They're kicking off, they're holding up John 3.16. People wondering, why do they always have that number up there and that word, John? What's it mean? Listen to John 3.18. He who believes in him, believes in Jesus, is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There's only two choices, believing in Christ or not. But if you do not believe in Jesus, you're already condemned. You're without Christ and you do not have salvation. Your good works won't get you to heaven. Only faith in Jesus Christ will. Let's stand together. Here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, we have a church motto of believe, receive, grow, and go. And it really speaks about our coming to faith, believing in God, coming to faith in Jesus Christ, growing in our faith, and then sharing our faith with others through these four words, believe, receive, grow, and go. And so we're going to read the verses attached to them. They're up on your video screens. The believe, we say together, Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11:6. It begins right there. Believe that God is, that God created the heavens and the earth, that God exists. But then we have to receive his son, our savior, Jesus Christ. We say together, Romans 5:17 For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ Romans 5:17 Not just believing in God there's a lot of people in the world that believe that there is a God but you have to receive Jesus Christ as your savior that is because it's part of the plan of God. As believers, then we need to grow in our faith. So we say together, 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. 2 Peter 3.18. When you're weary, overwhelmed by this world, just need Jesus. Got to hear a Bible teacher, read the word of God, grow in your faith. It'll help you to be able to stand in these last days. And not just to stand, but we need to go. It's the commission that Jesus gave us. We say together, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. If you have a question regarding faith, if you're here with us today, please talk to myself or Pastor Kevin or others here at the church. They could share with you as well. If you're listening on the radio today or through uh, online, Please go to cclv at comcast.net, cclv at comcast.net. 
Also, um, you can find out information how to support our church. If you're here with us, we have an agape box in the back of the room. But if you'd like to support our ministry, please go to cclv.com, cclv.com, and you can find out information about our church. Worship team comes. We'll close out in prayer. Father, we thank you for this message, for your word, for what it teaches us. Lord, it seems like we're getting close to the days that Scripture is prophesying about. Help us, Lord, to learn to conduct ourselves as followers of Christ in the days that you've called us to. Also, Lord, we thank you for the support that you have given this ministry. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless the gifts that are given to this church. May they be used for your glory. And I pray, Father, our greatest desire is to see people come to faith and to grow in their faith. May this be a place where people can do just that to know you as Savior, and to grow in their faith that they might share the love of Jesus Christ with others. We pray in the name of our most precious Savior, the name of Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen.